0: Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. I have architect Brian Cornell coming up and he's gonna talk about the big 250 room hotel project which went before the planning commission last week and it was quite the meeting and uh, Brian's gonna walk us through the whole history, the whole project and where we're at now with this whole debate of housing versus hotel. And then he's gonna talk about the Lacumbra plaza hotel project he's also the architect there and he's going to talk about the specific plan discussion and what that housing project will look like someday when if it gets built so really great conversation i wanted to ask you to please consider making a contribution to this podcast Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. Um, I do this all on my own. It's separate from NewsHawk. It's separate from any of my teaching jobs. It is just me. I do it because I love the community and I wanted to create a video and audio archive for people to go back in time and look at and learn and remember what was happening with Santa Barbara during this historic period where we're sort of at this moment in time where we're trying to figure out what are we going to make this community look like for the next 100 years. And so I'm talking to everybody who's a part of that conversation, from activists to business owners, to elected officials, to developers, to architects, to people who are just involved and have ideas. And this is a really great format. So I appreciate you taking time to support me. Any contribution you make allows me to improve the quality of these podcasts. It allows me to spend more time on these podcasts. It allows me to even be able to come out to you and shoot a podcast live on location with you so that um, we can be in your scene, your background, your uh, area. And that is really is something that um, I did. I'm doing. I did that with Sunstone Winery and that was awesome. We went out there, got great photos, great video, did the interview right there at the classic, uh, you know, mansion house that they have there. And uh, that was a lot of fun. So if you make a contribution that helps me do that, you could also consider sponsoring Santa Barbara Talks. And uh, that's a whole package deal with an interview and, uh, you know, social media and, uh, you know, logo. And, you know, you can, we can have a conversation about your business or your topic. So please consider making a contribution. I really appreciate it. I love what I do. I love podcasting. I love being able to have conversations. And, uh, you get to have it with a journalist with 22 years of experience asking good questions and with the history and knowledge of the community. So thank you so much. Let's dive right in. Brian Cornell, have a great day. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's such a pleasure today to be here with one of Santa Barbara's icons, architect Brian Cornell, who is synonymous with beautiful buildings in Santa Barbara, and we're going to talk about one of his latest projects and what happened at the recent Santa Barbara Planning Commission. But first, I want to welcome Mr. Cornell, who's very busy and uh, one of my original podcasters when we were just doing it over audio, so I'm very grateful to him, but Brian Cornell, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Josh. Thank you. Happy Monday. Thank you. Appreciate it. So let's talk about what happened at the Santa Barbara Planning Commission just recently on Thursday. It is a 250-room hotel project at 101 Garden Street. This meeting, lasted just this item, lasted more than four hours, and it was one of those very topsy-turvy, all over the place, thinking out loud, exploring kind of meetings about something that has been actually in the works for a long time. So, I want to let you talk about it, but I just want to say from the outset, what I was struck by with this discussion was that the Planning Commission was very much trying to go in a direction of housing and, uh, everybody knows we need more housing. That's not an issue, but this developer is in a different sort of place and time with the history of this project and this land. So I'm hoping we could talk a little bit about what's really going on on the ground here and. Well we want to try to of course squeeze developers for as much as we can for housing. this situation is a little bit different so so Brian, what is proposed for 101 Garden Street? so it is a two hundred and fifty room
1: hotel um and it's been that. Since the specific plan was approved back in 1983 and an environmental impact report was done. And, you know, prior to that, I don't going way back, uh, Bill Wright, who was the owner of the property, for years pursued the idea of an aquarium. On, on the site across Garden. It was going to be part of that specific plan, but spent a lot of money. That didn't go anywhere and ultimately ended up with this specific plan that has, you know, sort of sat around in a way for a long time. Um, the rights were looking for, always looking for partners to be able to do the various pieces of the specific plan. One is the hotel. And yes, it was also. Assigned a multi-family category at the at the city's sort of variable density, which is you know fifteen to twenty-seven units to the acre, so not not super dense. Um, Catacorner, where the rock pile is, was designated for a forty-five thousand square foot market. And somewhere you know in the in the after the specific plan in the nineties, Bill Wright donated the land the connection between garden street intersection at 101 and cabrillo including also the land where yan and Ollie then connected to that intersection at at garden um and you know it was two and a half acres something like that 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 he ended up giving away to the city no strings attached on the assumption that it was all part of realizing this specific plan so There was a housing project that I know Deddy Pipeyard was involved in, um, I think around 90 units. I don't know the details of it. I don't know why it didn't go through. I know it went to at least a concept review at the Planning Commission, um, but but basically sat there. And it wasn't until Michael Rosenfeld back in, gosh, 2012 maybe, um, came around and negotiated a lease with the rights to build this hotel and so we were involved in the initial designing of this sort of way back maybe it was 2018 um, but it was a long time ago and went to planning commission conceptually went to HLC conceptually everybody liked the basic concept Uh, Mike Jordan interestingly then a planning commissioner spoke about housing at that concept review, and was concerned about it as he's always has always been and um then Rosenfeld whatever he'd built the Californian he had issues and he had to give up his his arrangement with the rights or at least ended up trading it out with these this group called dauntless, which is sean um who was at the hearing representing the ownership. And these guys are hotel guys, right? They're, that's what they do is hotels. And they really like this idea of sort of the middle, you know, middle ground, whether it's a Marriott or whatever that that has these extended stay rooms and has hotel rooms and they're usually in the middle of the market. So these guys took over the plans, Assumed what we had heard from the planning commission still stood and basically spent a year and a half or more developing the plan so that we could go again to HLC, deal with all the stormwater stuff, which, by the way, probably added a year to the process of getting the application accepted, was just dealing with this 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 uh, little uh, remnant drainage ditch that became a wetland a long garden, ironically, you know, part of, as part of the extension of building garden. So, you know, we're working away kind of thinking, okay, this specific plan, this is what it is. Understand it can't, you know, it doesn't, it it makes no sense to mix hotel and housing really uh, from a business standpoint. So we're just plodding away, get the application accepted, finally get a planning commission date and then boom, it's all (laughs) about housing. And, and I get it. I completely get it. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. It is about housing, and and this is a remnant. But what do you do? What do you do? You've got a specific plan. These people have spent millions of dollars relying on that. The rights have 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 you know expected a, a, a return based on that. And here you go. You know, there there we sit, and so. I appreciate the discussion and and it's, it's probably good from the standpoint of the planning commission pushing that agenda, which is important for this community, but the things they were asking for were, were kind of nuts. I mean, they, they wanted us to, you know, give up, give them a report on what the impact of building 250 hotel rooms would have on our housing stock. And I, you know, I mean, that's like, that's serious scientific research that you'd have to come up with whatever the algorithms are for what those actual impacts are Mm -hmm. um and it would take a long time so that was very frustrating kind of dealing with that um at the end of the day um you know the the developer did agree to look at adding some some actual little apartments with the hotel it actually works out i mean i was kind of on the fly at the hearing sort of sketching and thinking about okay if we took these like six units over here that are next to the closest to Yan and ollie on the ground you could totally enter enter them from the parking lot side and then you build six units up higher on the third floor and you just build a little bit more building and in the process, get the set, the six units. And, you know, that's what we're working on right now. And that's, you know, hopefully that
0: kind of, that, that works. So that's, that's the story. You know, right. How many years has this area? I went over there, took photos, saw the story polls. There are some businesses there. A lot of it seems to be sort of storage. It's a huge piece of land. How long have we had nothing there, so to speak? Um, you know, at that site? How many years? Well, it's long, I mean, the 40 years since I've
1: been here, and I'm not I don't remember the exact year that the Garden Street uh extension happened, but prior to that, the Ananali just dead-ended right there where those containers are, and that was all Southern Pacific land and Calavo had a had a you know an avocado operation packing plant right there in some of those buildings that are on the other side of Garden, but this was always a place where people stored boats and you know had containers and it's sort of a remnant of the, what what the waterfront always was. It's why the Funk Zone is so cool, right? This was the industrial hub of santa barbara sure. everything came in by ship and therefore you had all these little storage things and whatnot and this is just this was a remnant of the southern pacific land in this in this area and bill wright's been renting these these flips these spaces these little subdivisions inside that property for years and years and you know they've all known i mean they they from discussions with family everybody that's renting there knows that there, you know, they're month to month, and that there is this specific plan, and that someday it's going to go. And I know they are. The intention is to give them, you know, once the project is approved, to give them like nine months notice, or you know, a year's notice, whatever uh, they need, because the project won't break ground until that point, right? So, so yeah, and it's it's a bunch of little people. It's a bunch of little guys.
0: What's really interesting to me, though, as a journalist who's somebody who sat through these meetings and covered these meetings was here you were trying to explain the history, to talk about the specific plan, to talk about the fact that the rights donated this extension. And I think you used a number of worth today's dollars, more than $10 million. And you have a commission who is basically saying, or not all of them, but... Some of them saying, if we told you to build housing, what could you do? What would that do to the project? And so you had Commissioner Wardlow hitting that over and over and over. You know, what can you do? And we heard Sean Gilbert say, you know, if we have to do less than 250 rooms, this deal could fall apart. We know about what's happening with construction financing right now. This is not a great time. Um, and and all signs indicate that it's going to get worse, but yet you have this commission saying housing, housing, housing in that moment, Brian, you tried to bring some clarity. You tried to sort of say, Hey, let's stop talking about ideals and let's just like, get to the reality here. Why? Why can't they just, let's just build housing. You know, why can't they just say forget the hotel, let's build housing. And that's what Santa Barbara needs. (laughs) Talk to people who are just like, we need housing right now. Why, why, is, why can't that happen? Well, I, I, you
1: know if, if the city decided that, you know what, we made a mistake with the specific plan and we, we want this to be housing. Um, it, when I look at all the economics, I mean, I don't know the numbers of what a 250 room hotel brings to the right family. Uh, I know they're leasing the property, but it's a long-term, you know, it's a 99-year lease, and I'm sure it's a lot of money every every year for that. And so to make that those same numbers work for a residential project means you're starting with a big land cost. And, and you know, it, it, people don't understand that land cost is a direct relation to the cost of the unit, you know? You get only so many units on the land the land cost per unit is much higher consequently the cost of the unit is much higher and that's one of the reasons why we have such a crisis here in santa barbara but what is going to happen the reality is this developer can't do it he's not a housing developer so his deal with the rights goes away well what happens then you know i mean naturally the mind immediately goes to wow that's a lawsuit Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. i I won't say anything more about that because i'm just an architect i'm not an attorney but it's likely a mess uh and then what you don't have the density really there if you if you took the city's density right now you could get a little over 100 studio units if you did one bedrooms you get about 990 units OK, if you did two bedrooms, you, the density goes down. That's the way the variable density formula works in this part of the city. So, you know, that density is, is not enough. So then what? You know, then, then the rights have to find another developer who is willing to take the risk to try to get more units on the site. And then to top it all off, you've got the Coastal Commission who doesn't want housing in the coastal zone. Specifically, okay. demands that that the the coastal zone be res- visitor serving. That's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know there. You know, there were a couple times in that meeting, Brian, where uh, you were a little frustrated. You know, noticeably, and you you know you used the um, H E L L word. I did. I know? said hell.
1: I you said hell at a
0: planning commission meeting, <laughs> um, and so. I, you know, I thought that was interesting when talking about a housing study, but I'm going to um, just throw the question out there that was asked of you, which was, how will building 250 hotel rooms affect Santa Barbara's overall affordable housing market in crisis? And your response to that was, oh. was, was what, you know? Well,
1: I, I don't. I, my my response to that is, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, the I don't like the fact that you know this kind of a of a use. You know, more hires mostly middle-wage workers who you know aren't aren't making a lot of money certainly aren't making enough money to live in santa barbara in a reasonable fashion a lot of them do by the way as we know a lot of people in the service industry in the hotel you know tourist industry do work do live here um but it is a it, it is a dilemma and and the only way i can answer it is certainly the hotel rooms will provide some TOT tax, which ought to be, by the way, designated to housing for this city, uh, certainly a percentage of it. Um, Certainly, I'm going to guess that the majority of the businesses in the funk zone are going to like the fact that at this anchor location, there's 250 hotel rooms of people that are going to walk into the funk zone and, and visit those businesses. So I'm guessing the majority of those folks probably liked the idea but no in the big scheme of things you know it it um it's a really hard one because you know do you try to put higher density lower income moderate income housing in this location god it'd be great for the people living there i mean one of the things i brought up josh in the hearing was that i did villa del mar and man that was uh that was a struggle there was so much opposition to that nick welsh lovingly referred to it as the yano condos (laughs) and for a year we fought to get that project approved because it was a lot of little um you know metal buildings it had been a it had been the chevrolet dealership it had been you know i think that um um you know they made surfboards there there was all kinds of stuff um and so that now people look at that and go god isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's man. great that there is it is great that it, there's housing there. Um you know, it probably should have been more dense and more affordable, but that's our market. Right. What so uh I I don't tough one.
0: Tough one. <laughs> what are some of the challenges with mixing hotel with housing just from a you know i guess an architectural point of view but just sort of a living quality of life we don't we don't see much of that it's usually one or the other i guess but what are some of the challenges where you have people living where people are staying well you know the difference between somebody who's staying in an overnight
1: accommodation and and their world yeah. and the fact that somebody's living there you know full time you know, I, so I, I, I am, I believe actually, this is where, this is why I love architecture. I, I think architecture could solve the problem. I think, you know, as I mentioned to you, I kind of mentioned to you what the solution is that we're working on. You know, I think you can create nice little private entrances for those apartments that don't impact that the, the hotel residents don't even know it's there, you know, that it just kind of works and, and, So, you know, I think at a limited scale, you know, if you try to do 60 apartments with the host hotel rooms, that's a whole nother thing, right? But if you try to get at least some component, some reasonable amount that addresses what the real impact of building that hotel is, it's, I think it's a reasonable, it, it, it potentially has a reasonable solution as long as the building can get bigger.
0: Yeah. Which creates a whole other problem there with you know views and uh size bulk and scale and, yeah, and that whole thing yeah
1: well the good thing about this location though is you know you really don't i mean when you're on cabrillo when you're on the bike path and you look up garden you know you, you don't really you garden street corridor provides the mountain view from that standpoint you know and so i don't i think the the photo sims we did realistically show that it, it just doesn't have it's not a, it's not an issue because the mountain
0: views are always going to be there, right? So I want to ask you two things: Bill Wright and the Wright family, the Wright property. Can you spend just a minute or two on who is Bill Wright and who are who is the Wright family? They're listed as the the owners of this property. They have a history in this town, right? This is not some out of town developer coming in wanting to build a hotel room or or convert uh, you know something into hotel rooms. Who is Bill Wright and who is this family that is behind this project?
1: Well, Bill Wright um, is deceased. He he died not that long ago. Um, wonderful man, salt of the earth, loved to talk, loved Santa Barbara. You know he he put this property into the El Pueblo Viejo when probably anybody in their right mind would have avoided that. <laughs> Yeah. And and he did it because he loved Santa Barbara and he always believed this was going to be a gateway to the city. And he was very proud of this land. And he he worked hard. I mean, Bill Wright came from nothing and he started. I know I don't know a, a, a lot about his early history. I know he he developed trailer parks and I know he did industrial buildings. And uh, for years and years, I know he worked with Ed Lindvick. Doing projects, um, a smart guy, smart businessman who was just a really good human being, just a decent human being, and loved to tell stories. and And his his daughter um, survives him, and, and her husband Tony um, Bordolazzo, and he is the. Um, uh, property manager he's the guy he was at the hearing he's just a good he also just salt of the earth good guy um and and they're just a they're a pretty normal family from that standpoint you know they they're not ostentatious not wealthy i mean they're they've got obviously the wealth in that land and other other land that bill had managed to Uh, you know develop and whatnot but very low-key and and a good guy and he loved he loved monterey architecture and he wanted nothing more than for a building to be designed in the monterey style here on this property
0: so and that's that's, where that aquarium idea comes from
1: i you know the aquarium came from his wanting to give back and he just had a he he also had that vision for a long time i think he I think it ended up costing so much and kind of getting beat up to where he just, she just gave up on that. Um, but yeah, it's been a
0: lot many years pursuing that. Mm-hmm. So at this meeting you have the commission talking about, you know, at a minimum employee housing, uh, look at opening it up this market and then you just, they continued it. And so where are you at now? What exactly is the development team? What are you trying to do here when you bring this back to the to the planning commission, what what can you do? Well, we're doing. I already mentioned we're going to try and put
1: units, you know, actual apartment units in into the hotel. Um, and there's, you know, they ask for us to outreach, and so they're gonna the owner's going to try to outreach the you know Funk Zone community and and neighborhoods. Um, I think as far as the, you know, talking about the tenants who are there, I think the key to that is that these, these guys, these businesses get long-term notice, you know, they'll have a full nine months or a year to know when, when they have to be out. And that's really important. Um, So that's what I think that we're going to offer up. And the planning commission then has to decide, is that enough? And, and if not, I, I don't, I don't think there's any question josh at that point if if they can't approve it then it probably ends up at council on an appeal
0: yeah so then they'll deny it and then it goes to the city council and the discussion is yeah. up or down at that point right yeah. yeah And do you have a do you have any thoughts do you think after that meeting there's enough understanding from the commissioners that okay we're not going to try to make this a housing project uh only now do you think you made some progress or are you unsure about the outcome? I I'm
1: unsure about the outcome. I mean, it was interesting to have Sheila Lodge be one of the ones <laughs> on the commission that actually did talk about, you know, how difficult this was and the and the commitments that had been made. So I I don't know. Um, you know, um, um John Bouchy was, was missing from that hearing. And, you know, if he were there, he'd be a significant vote, but I could see some of the planning commissioners based on what I heard, you know, vote against the project, just on the principle that it's not what the city needs
0: and they can't make the findings. Right. So it's interesting, Brian, because, you know, you are, uh, obviously if you're a developer, And you're looking to a go-to person and there are many good developers in town, but hiring you is a smart way to do it because you've got this history and you kind of know what they want. And so you're in this space and time with this project, which dates back to the eighties with that specific plan. But it's just so interesting because you're also involved with a current specific plan conversation with Lacumbra Plaza (laughs) and the Taylor project and what is it 695 units or something like that for half
1: of? probably not that yeah probably not that many probably 650 660 yeah something like that yeah a lot of units
0: and so you're the architect for this this project would sort of front state street on that side of Lacumber plaza a little bit i think that's hope over there and uh we know that uh the city was over there trying to get a specific plan kind of bring all the developers have a holistic development cuz the other family owns the other half they're working with a housing developer and you know it's they're sort of worried about losing control of this what's going on with lacumbra plaza i've talked to the developers i've talked to the city i've talked to a whole bunch of people i've not talked to you uh, where do you stand on this whole uh you know housing project taking over lacumbra well
1: First and foremost, I believe that the Cumbra Plaza should be housing for decades. You know, that hole in the ground on State Street at Macy's is, is ridiculous. You know, how it even ended up that way, I have no idea. Rumor is that Robinson's May wanted a three-story presence, but the city wouldn't allow them to go that high. And so they dug the hole. <laughs> to create the three-story presence uh, along whether that's true or not I do not know but um it needs to be housing it absolutely needs to be housing and it's it's so interesting to me the history of how lacumber plaza came around in 67 and and this it was the it was the ultimate expression of sprawl right at that time and and it and it was it was disastrous for downtown and in fact that's what initiated the redevelopment agency and the building of parking structures downtown and all of that and so here we are now full circle going back to the idea that that should be housing and and clearly it should be higher density housing from just the reasons we were talking about earlier that if you take the cost per acre and you try to create a truly affordable units, then you've got to have more density to do that. Um, We are pursuing state bonus density as part of that project. And this is a whole fascinating layer that I don't think uh, that many people understand, but we're going to see more and more projects that utilize state law to increase their density. Um, very simply, if you take a certain percentage of your base units allowed, and in the case of LaCumber Plaza, they're allowed 63 units to an acre. You take that base density and you provide, say, X number, 10% of those units as affordable then you can get an increase of a bonus density over your base density of, you know, 24% or something, you know, and it's, it's kind of a sliding scale, but it's an, it's very interesting. And in the process of using that state law and creating these low or very low income units, you can ask for certain incentives, concessions, waivers of things like parking standards setbacks, open space, maybe even height. Um, so we are, I feel strongly, and, and this, was a, this was a struggle for me, I have to say to begin with, a little bit of a tangent here, but the city charter, the 60-foot height limit, has always been this sacred thing. And, and I fought against it being changed from 60 feet to 40 feet back in the, the 90s um, because I didn't think it was the right thing. To build, to truly be a sustainable community, you got to go up. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. You mm-hmm. reduce your footprint and you build up. The Coomber Plaza is a perfect opportunity to build higher than 60 feet. And, and if in fact you are able to do that, you can create variation in the architecture, which then uh, is going to be a better project in the long run. For for the city. So we're working on a piece of land that's about a little over eight acres. Um, And that is, you know, a a, that's about a a little less than a block and a half. So really just think of it. The corner of state and hope is a city block in downtown Santa Barbara. So that would be like from from Macy's to the Balboa building. For instance, you know, take the Paseo Nuevo or whatever block you want. You know, it, it's a city block, and we are approaching it like it's a city block with different buildings and Paseos and and trying to create variation in, in the architecture. And that is um, that's exciting. That's a that's a real opportunity. I'm you know I'm proud to be part of that. Now. The specific plan question, which we were talking about earlier, the city wanted a specific plan. And I will tell you that the tailors in the very early stages of discussions, you know, a couple of years ago with the Taylors about this and with the Riviera Dairy folks who own the Sears side, um, did not want a specific plan because the specific plan traditionally takes a long time. The right specific plan, the Cabrillo Plaza specific plan took four years. And, and what the Taylors wanted was a clear path to be able to develop this once Macy's leases up and they are, are free to be able to build on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, and they also felt that a specific plan is typically used to rezone property. When the zoning exists for what you wanna do there, i.e. housing, why do you need a specific plan? Okay, so I get the idea that, well, it's 30 acres, really ought to be master planned. We need to sort of figure it out. I, I respect that, but I don't think that takes four years. I think that can be done in a couple of months by just looking at some basics, for instance, the cumber lane that little connector that that is that connects to five points right there where that at and t store is a gas yeah. station you know mm-hmm. goes through that ought to connect to hope there ought to be a connection there because it's a big enough parcel i was using the block analogy before right if you got a 500 by 500 as a city block Lacumbre Plaza ought to sort of be thought about in that terms that it's broken down from an urban plan. So, so that happens. Right. We're proposing a right hand turn lane on Lacumbre, which needs to happen just from a circulation. Because C- I mean, I mean, yeah, State Street is what I meant. State Street, right hand turn lane on Hope, because it gets really clogged right there. And, and it's sort of a nuisance. Um, I think that the market is going to be there for a long time. And I think it's inevitable that there is a more consolidated, condensed little neighborhood center around that market. Not a Lacumbra Plaza mall, but maybe little stores that surround a parking lot in the middle, maybe with some open space. And that's the core of the project. And then all around it, on the creep side, on the State Street side, on, on the uh, freeway side, it's housing with maybe some mixed use you know retail i mean one of the things that we're studying is how do you create some really interesting retail that is connected to state street that has some open space that can be kind of vital you know life-giving uh function to this mixed use kind of project so we are looking at that but that's that's to me, the master plan, the creek, I, you, you create a setback along the creek so that that's kind of a linear park. You know, that's another aspect of a specific plan. It doesn't take four years to do that. And I, I do think the tailors and what we're trying to do are being very respectful about what will want to happen as it evolves towards the Riviera Dairy site.
0: So... That's what we're doing. That's great. I appreciate all that like history and sort of vision of what it could be. You mentioned the city height limit, 60 feet. This is one of the core issues. I think that this project is more than 80 feet at its highest point, 82 feet, 84 feet. City charter says anything above 60 has to go to the people. State law, SB 330 says... Uh, well, it doesn't I guess address that at all. Um, so, Brian, how can we build this project if it goes to eighty-four feet in height? Well, first of all, the SB three thirty is really a a um,
1: expediting you know law, and it doesn't have anything to do with this height issue. The height issue really is in the state in the utilization of state bonus density to build more affordable units. Which gives you the ability to have these concessions, you know, or waivers. Um, it's a legal question, and and there is no question that the city, so far to to us, to the tailors, and the tailors have said, uh, you, you know, we can't, we have to respect our height limit, the charter, and so you you're, you're kind of dead on arrival with going over sixty feet um so where that will go i don't know a lot of minds smarter than me believe strongly that state law trumps for lack of a better word the city charter um and and that would have to be fought apparently in court the question is can the city say you know what if you're using state bonus density and you're asking for that kind of a height waiver then we really can't, our charter is subservient to the state law and we really can't do anything about it. Um, That is, you know, that may or may not be a valid approach. I do think this, as I was alluding to, that the higher buildings towards the back, you know, that bell tower at Macy's is something like 92 feet. And I don't think, by the way, I don't think we're going, you know, I think the latest is maybe... Six stories, you know. That's like the Balboa Building, seventy-two feet above grade, um, or above the sidewalk, by the way. Because I have to—that's another problem with the property—is the city laws make me measure from grade, so I have to measure height from the bottom of that pit along (laughs) State Street. So that's another complication. But I believe that keeping the scale of the buildings. Consistent with what State Street is in character, or at least in you know harmonious with that, along along State will allow for taller buildings to be in back, well off of State, that actually create a much more interesting architectural solution and a, and a better urban urban planning solution.
0: You, know, you bring, so, a good, bring up a good point. Um, that big empty bowl that's there that nobody parks at—it's where the pumpkins are and the Christmas trees are, and you know it's just kind of random people camping out there. Um, would that be raised? Would the development be like down there? Or I mean, I know these are not architectural terms that I'm using here, but no, I no, our, no, yeah. We're, what happens we're with that bowl. Whole,
1: uh, we're putting parking there.
0: That's where the we're park- using the hole. To
1: create underground parking yeah. so it kind of makes sense right yeah. so so the buildings the new buildings will all sit in, in a relationship to the sidewalks along state and hope yeah okay and and that will be and there's there's actually you know it's kind of interesting there's a lot of there, there's variation natural variation that we're having to design in because state street you know, it actually descends towards Lacumbra. And then it also, Hope Street descends as it goes towards Calle Real. And so those grade differences are resulting in us having to look at different building bases in relationship to the sidewalk and having them address the street. Uh, And that's actually a good
0: thing. That's creating some, some
1: interest and whatnot.
0: Yeah. And then just two more things before we wrap up. The other side, you referenced Riviera Dairy, and I've heard they're working with an Arizona real estate developer. I don't know. That's still going on. But uh, do you know anything about the status of that project? I know you're not speaking on behalf of them, but what have you heard about the other half of Lacumbra Plaza? no only you know i will
1: tell you the Taylors and and the, the uh riviera dairy folks did you know spend a lot of time tra- talking about how they might be able to join forces and work together um ultimately that that didn't happen for any number of reasons you know they're obviously the riviera dairy group is a is a family with a lot of a lot of varied interests so um i do think that they at least have some kind of letter of intent with a developer um, that I think is based in in Arizona, but maybe have offices here in Orange County. Um, and I know they've got they've got some issues. Um, it's not, not a secret that there is a potential earthquake fault that runs through the middle of that property. And so they, I know, are having to study that to determine whether it's still an active or a potentially active fault. Let's hope not, because it goes right through some buildings at Lacumbra Plaza. Yeah. So, you know, likelihood is it's an inactive fault, but they've got to test it and, and determine that, you know, with experts. And I think that's, that's kind of what's going on right now over there as they're figuring things out. Okay.
0: And then just lastly, just kind of a question at you, Brian. I mean, here you are representing these pri- private developers, but when the city wants to build a police station, <laughs> who do they go to? They go to Brian Cornell. <laughs> I mean, you're in just well. this amazing situation where, like, everybody sort of wants you, even the city, even the same organization that you are, are trying to get approvals from, Um can you just talk a little bit about uh, you know what the, what's that like when you're over here on one hand calling the city out for you know maybe some inconsistencies in some direction, but on the other hand you're you're representing the city, you know trying to get a police station built. Uh, what's it like to be Brian Cornell when you're so involved? Well, so much? Look,
1: uh, first of all, I'm very lucky. You know, I love to do what I do, and every every project is unique and and i am so lucky to be able to have the the range of projects that i've been able to do over the years and so you know each one is special and and i don't i you know people may not believe this but i don't really have a hard time compartmentalizing the projects because they are they are unique they have you know, those clients are just as important as anybody else. And we all work hard. And we really, our firm really does work like a collective. I mean, we call it the collective, but I've got some amazing partners. Jeff Hornbuckle is my partner who's in charge of the police station. And that's pretty much his full-time effort. And it's, and it's exciting. You know, I'm really excited about the opportunity to create a new Place for the police department where the the architecture, the building, can actually begin to make help make social change um, within the community to, to make it more uh, you know inclusive and and uh, you know a better a better police force. So that's that's so exciting. And creating housing is is kind of my passion, frankly. Um, it's not, believe it or not, hotel rooms. But <laughs> sometimes, you know, I mean, in the case of the of the hotel coming back full circle to that, I mean, that was really my relationship with Bill Wright yeah. that got me into that. And you know, I love the man. So, yeah, um, I've been doing it for forty years, Josh. Um, I am trying to to find balance in my life. Um, sometimes I'm a little too busy, but I do take time with my grandkids and my family. And I um, guess I said, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm so lucky to be able to, to build, see buildings built that I can remember what were just a vision in my head and to know that those things, they will outlive
0: me is just awesome. Yeah. Well said. And obviously Santa Barbara's lucky to have you as well, because you care about every project that you are involved in and it shows. So, as as anyone who wants to watch Thank the planning commission much. meeting, you know, you could see you you caring very publicly <laughs> about everything you do. But thanks a lot, Brian, for your time. And uh I really appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you, Josh.
1: I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye.